0: Every single year we talk about relationships and we talk about how to have healthy relationships. How many of you would say it's kind of hard to have healthy relationships sometimes? Anybody out there? If if you figured it out, please let me know. You should be sharing. But you should be speaking today. But it's hard to have healthy relationships, right? A healthy marriage, healthy friendships, even a healthy relationship with us. Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy, right? Anybody with me there? Just like the things we say about ourselves. Woo! We could be mean. It be hard. That guy in the mirror, I don't like him sometimes, right? But we're talking about this idea, not really even this idea, but this truth that love comes from God. And one of the things that we leaned into in week one is that we are letting the one who designed us define us. God designed you, so God gets to define you. Now, we love that when it comes to talks on identity, but let's talk about the word love. God also designed and created love so he gets to define what love means. He came up with it, and it's a beautiful thing. But we're not going to let culture or what's popular define what love is. We're going to define it through what God has said. And here's the thing that we love about this idea is that God has told us clearly what it is, and we can lean into those things. And really the goal of these talks is to allow ourselves to change from the inside out. Because if the inside is messed up, it's all messed up, right? Like if it's broken on the inside, just because I may not see that broken piece of my engine on my car, I know the check engine light is on. So even though everything outside looks good, something needs to be checked. And today and over these next few weeks, it's a little bit of a check engine light on our relationships. And so what I want you to write down today, it's the title of our message is free decisions. Go ahead and circle that word free, because if you, Take away this conversation. If you don't take away anything else, I want you to take away the power of that word free. Now, I grew up hearing it said this way. If it's free, it's for me. Yeah, let's go. I've signed up for a bunch of different credit cards that I canceled the next day, signed up for a bunch of different email newsletters just so I could get that free T-shirt, right, or that free stress ball or whatever it may have been because I'm like, if it's free, I want it. Is it junk? Maybe. Yeah, but I still want it because it's free. I don't want to miss out. Well, the thing is today is that we're not talking about free from a monetary sense, but we are talking about freedom when it comes to our life. And for some of us, maybe every single day we're living trapped by our past, by what people have said about us, trapped in unhealthy relationships, trapped in an unhealthy perspective of ourselves or of God. And today what we're doing is trusting that God has given us some decisions To lead to the path of freedom. Here's where to write it down in your notes. It's that Jesus came to set us free. And today we can make decisions that will help us be free indeed. My word for 2024 has been the word intentional and realizing that growth and life change is not going to happen accidentally. Like as much as I would love it, If I wake up in the the beginning of this year, 2024, and say, man, I want to get healthy, I want to get back to the gym, I want to eat right, but I never do anything, I just wish really hard that maybe change would happen or freedom would happen, I'm not going to wake up one morning and be like, whoa, where did this six-pack come from? Come on, let's go. It's not going to happen accidentally. We have to make intentional decisions to see the things that we want in our life happen. And so Jesus came to set you free. Turn to the person next to you, give them a little elbow if they're asleep, and tell them, hey, Jesus came to set you free. Let them know. And if you're sitting to somebody sitting next to someone you know, you can give them a good elbow, alright? He came to set you free. But he's given us decisions to make, not force us to find that freedom. I love what it says in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. He says, Jesus says to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful. Let's stop right there. Freedom today is not about necessarily remaining perfect or remaining doing all these things and performing for Jesus. It says, you are truly my disciples if what? You remain faithful. What does that mean? Even when it's hard, you show up. You're here in church today. You keep showing up. When you sign up for a circle, here's a fun idea. We actually go. Wow. Right? Like we say we're going to go. We sign up for it and we go. And we remain faithful. Even if the first week is a little awkward because we don't know anyone, we keep Going right, give it at least three times, all right? To my teachings, and you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. And so, if the son of God, not if so, if myself or if my own aspirations or my own performance sets me free, what's it say? So, if the son of God Jesus sets you free, you're truly free. Other translations say that you will be free indeed. Come on, when I say you are free, you say indeed that we will be you are free. All right, let's say it like we mean it, like we're really thankful for it, that you are free. There we go, second service, let's go. All right, we're awake, we're We're ready to go. That's what we want, I want you to be truly free. I want you to be free indeed. Listen, it may not happen in a moment today, but you can at least start the truly set free path to freedom today, that's what's possible. And there's one key factor that our conversation will center around today that maybe we've lost, maybe we've given up on, but that doesn't mean it's not a part of God's plan. Here's what, we, here's what we're saying, and write it down today, is that we must go to God for forgiveness. Nothing changes that. Jesus offers us forgiveness. We must go to God for forgiveness. But we have to go to God's people for healing. That's the beauty of church. That's the beauty of small groups and circles and the beauty of life-giving community is that that is where we can find healing. And today, if you leave again with nothing else, leave with the word freedom and that I can't not live this life alone. Can't do it alone. We are better together. And there's this book in the Bible called Proverbs. It's all about wisdom. And it says in chapter 28, verse 13 people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Today is about realizing that I can't just fix my problems on my own, that I can't just fix my issues internally. I have to confess them and with a group of trusted people. Listen, I know there's people out there, maybe they've messed us up, maybe they've broken our trust, but that doesn't mean that God has not placed healthy people in our life for a healing purpose. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today as I really dive into the heart of this message? God, we are so thankful that you did not create us to do this life alone. It's the first thing you said, it is not good for us to be alone. So today we would realize these free decisions that we need to make. And God, you would help us find ultimate healing and freedom in you today. God, I pray that you would be with all of our local city kids and our kids team as they teach our young ones about the love of Jesus and how he can be their very best friend. Pray that you would encourage them and help them find so much joy today in church as they build a foundation on you. And God, I pray for all of us here in this room or watching online, that we would listen and lean in. And Jesus, that you would change our life today and set our life in a new direction of healing freedom, and encouragement, and strength. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all say. Come on, local city, give me a great amen today. And why don't you give a nice shout and clap to everybody watching for church online today. So glad that you're with us. You're part of the family. And hey, if you're traveling, we miss you. But if you're just kind of hanging at home, there's nothing like being in the room. So I'm saving you a seat for next week. Well, I am so excited about today because it is Super Bowl Sunday and it's Circle Sunday. But also, I love when we talk about something that I believe can really help you. And I believe this, this conversation on how love comes from God and what he meant by it and this understanding of free decisions I think will really help you. Because like we said before, relationships can be complicated. Can I get an amen if you believe that? they ain't complicated, right? Like they're, they're difficult. And it starts at a young age. A lot of you know this, and if you don't, I'm going to tell you right now, I have two sons, a five-year-old named Shepard and a one-year-old na- named Teddy. They are awesome. Teddy loves the big wavy arm guy that's outside today. He just like stares at him like, wow. Like he just loves, just taken in awe by it, right? Now my son Shepard, he's five, but he is like a young adult. Like he is awesome. We love him. And this week was really funny. I, I usually ask him on the drive home, hey, how was, how was school today, buddy? And he said this week, he goes, daddy. It was a really hard day at school. And I said, oh, no. Why, was someone mean to you? Did you, have a, did you have some difficulties listening? And he said, oh, no, no, not that at all. He said, Sophia broke up with Tino. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? You're in kindergarten, man. Like, what do you mean? He's like, I know. It was so sad because, Daddy, Tino loved Sophia so much. And she broke up with him, and that was so mean. I said, oh, buddy, I get it. But, I mean, not to, like, drag you down, but that's probably going to happen a lot in Tino's life and your life. It's just something that happens, especially if you're starting dating at five. That's a long journey of breakups and all that stuff to happen. And he said, and I said, how's he doing now? He said, oh, he's okay. At lunchtime, he started to like someone else. I'm like, okay. Maybe that's the message for some of us, all right? We've been broken up with, and by lunchtime, we're on to someone else. Stop doing that, all right? Don't do that. You got five-year-old maturity when it comes to relationships, all right? But even as a young guy, another thing, shepherds learning what it means to be a friend. and You know, that sometimes we're going to do things that annoy people and we have to stop doing those things. And we have to change some things about ourselves. Relationships are difficult. But again, what I believe is that today, the truth that we're leaning into can affect every relationship with, in our life. Our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with ourselves our relationship as a friend, and our marriages, I believe today will encourage you and help you. And there are some free decisions that you need to make. And one of the biggest ones is that, again, you cannot live the life God created you for alone. The first problem that existed in all of humanity was not sin, it was loneliness. God looked at Adam and said, hey, it's not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to create someone for you to spend your life with. And that was Eve. And then from there on, we see God's commitment, not to just individuals, but God's commitment to his community of people. Now listen, we've been hurt and messed up by people in our past. I'm not denying that. I'm not watering it down. But what I'm saying is, is if you have decided to live your life alone and keep people at arm's distance, then you are not living the way God designed you to. And not only do we see this in Jesus' life. I mean, Jesus, if there was anybody who could have lived their life alone, it was the Son of God. But he didn't. He surrounded, number one, he had a family, and his family when he was 12 years old totally forgot him at the temple and left. They're like, where's Jesus? Oh, he's back at the temple. Let's go back and get him. Kind of an interesting, if you think you've messed up as a parent, Jesus' parents definitely messed up too. But then as he grew up with his family, he also chose a group of friends to live with for his three years of ministry here on this earth. Twelve guys. One of them would betray him and sell him to the people who were trying to kill him, and you thought you had bad friends, right? And the other 11 They're always frustrating Jesus and messing him up and stressing him out. But he still surrounded, he knew all here's the thing. He knew all of that, but still chose to surround himself with people. He was perfect, but he surrounded himself with friends. There's even moments where he says, Hey, can you guys pray for me? I need encouragement. I need strength right now. And the disciples fall asleep, right? Like I'm just telling you, Jesus has been through the, the burnout and betrayal of people, but he still took chances on them and still surrounded himself with them. You need to do the same. You need to do the same. And not only did Jesus do it, but also one of the greatest leaders in the New Testament did it as well. His name is Paul. So Paul, if you know anything about him, he was originally intended to kill Christians and destroy churches. That's what he wanted to do. He grew up in the Judaism tradition, and they wanted to destroy everything that was, that was under the name of Jesus, all the Christian stuff that was going on. He wanted to destroy it. But in an instant, Jesus changed his life. He showed up to him on the road to Damascus and said, hey, Saul, cut that out. I have more plans for your life. And in a moment, Jesus changed his life. Now, here's the thing. In a moment, Jesus can change the direction and destination of your life. You just got to be listening. And sometimes, even today, he may be shouting, hey, stop doing that. I've given you a new direction. And so Paul continues to change his life and seeks out the people of God and gets set out on this eternal mission of building God's church. And we today are celebrating and are uh, receiving the commitment of Paul today, 2,000 years later, because, hey, we're still doing this thing called church all over the world. But Paul knew he couldn't do this alone. So if you have your notes or if you have it in your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 4. I love this. Colossians was written to a church in Colossae by Paul. It's actually one of my favorite books in the New Testament because it talks all about Jesus, but in every single one of Paul's letters, and this one he goes even more in depth, he's always including the people who are surrounding him and encouraging him and helping him do the things he can't do on his own. So what I want you to lean into in chapter four here as we read, starting in verse seven, is how many names Paul says and has surrounded himself with to help him keep going. So, and also, Maybe you're thinking about having a child in your marriage. Maybe you're pregnant. Great names here. Why go to a baby book when you can go to the Bible? All right, here we go. So Tychicus, great one. I don't know too many Tychicus's, so there you go. Um, We'll give you a full report about how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I love the titles already. He's a beloved friend, beloved brother, and he's helping me, and he's with me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. What are circles all about? Let you know how you're doing in life and how you can be encouraged. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. And he and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Then there's Aristarchus, who is in prison with me. Sometimes you need somebody just to be in prison with you when it's difficult. He sends you his greetings and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. And as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus... The one we call Justice, maybe because Jesus was a hard name to live up to. He also sends his greetings. And these are the only Jewish believers among my coworkers. They are working, this is huge, they are working with me here for the kingdom of God. Another circle you can join is our home team. Every Sunday we work together to build the kingdom of God here at Local City so that you can experience the hope of Jesus. And this is I love what Paul says right here. And what a comfort they have been. We need people in our lives so that sometimes we just need to be comforted and cared for. In verse 12, it says, Epaphras, this is one of Paul's closest friends. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. Here we go right here. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect. Fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you. Listen, you need people who stand with you, who are in prison with you. Not, actually, not, not literally, you know, don't do that, but who are in the hard times with you and who also pray hard for you. You need those people in your life. You're not above that. I'm not above that. I have those in my life. And we need those friends who encourage us and remind us who we are. What I love about the, na- the guy Aristarchus is that it says he's in prison with Paul. And if you see anything about the guys that are in prison with Paul, they are not friends that are just there to commiserate with Paul, Paul actually never commiserates. He's always encouraged, always turning his eyes towards heaven where his help comes from. But for some of us, maybe today is about realizing that some of the friends we have in our life, they're faithful, but they're not faith-filled. Now what does that mean? A faithful friend will show up there with you in prison and be right there with you, but here's what they'll do. Paul, why do, you, why do we keep doing this Jesus stuff? It's just leading us to prison over and over again. Why are we doing this? Can't we do something else? Can't we give up? Can't we do something easier? That's a faithful friend, but not a faith-filled friend. Some of us have faithful friends' voices in our life that actually are a bad voice for us because they're pushing us away from God. You need a faith-filled friend. It was like, hey, here's who you were created to be. Here's what God has called us to do. Is it hard? Yes, but we keep going. Paul, we can't give up now because God is moving on our behalf. God is moving in our lives. God is building, and Jesus is building his church on this earth, and we get to be a part of it. Let's keep going. Let's not give up. Yes, it's hard, but we will not stop because this is the only way to live. Come on. You need some friends like that in your life, local city, and you need to be that friend, too. I need to be that friend. So what we're going to do today, and this is something that I find very interesting, is that things like counseling and philosophy and, all, and sociology, all these different things, the things that they teach just kind of catch up, are catching up to the Bible, right? Like, let me just save you some time. A lot of things that people are sharing now and speaking, they're just catching up to what the Bible has already taught us. Let's lean into that today. So what we're going to do is there is this concept that I believe will help lead us to freedom in our life because it gives us some clarity about some different aspects of our life, and it's called the Johari Window. And it's the four aspects of our lives, four roles that we have in our life when it comes to interacting with people. One thing that's consistent about life is that we have to interact with people, and that's actually a good thing. If you don't believe that, go back to how your life was during 2020 and, like, yo, I don't want to ever go back to that sitting at home. I never want to be on a Zoom call again. Like, I just, I don't want to be alone. I want to be with people, right? And so the thing is, we have to understand the four aspects of our life where people can speak into what's going on. And I got to tell you, the only reason I'm standing here is because of the people in my life that have spoken life and encouragement to me. You need that. I need that. Like when Adrian and I, when we had this call from God to plant local city church in 2019, we were excited, man. We were ambitious. We were ready to go. We were encouraged. But again, no one knew that in six months, this little thing called COVID was going to show up and shut the world down. And we couldn't meet as a church. We had to figure out all these different things. It was stressful. It was hard. In that moment, I didn't need a faithful friend who said, yeah, Ryan, it is hard. Maybe you should just quit. I needed friends like, thank God I had, that every day, pastor friends of mine and guys from our network called The Ark were texting me and calling me, saying, hey, it's hard for everybody, keep going, let's keep moving forward, God's going to do something special. So if you have been blessed or encouraged by what local city does, it's because of the friends in my life that I allowed to speak encouragement to Adrian and I so that we would keep going. So you never know what's on the other side of a friend lifting you up and encouraging you and pushing you forward. That's why we need them. And this will help your friendships. It'll help your marriage. It'll help yourself. So let's walk. Let's talk about these things. Four aspects of our lives to give some clarity on how we make these free decisions towards freedom. All right. The first one is the arena. I know, and you know. Today we're wearing jerseys, right? Well, some of us. I'm wearing my Florida State jersey. I'm excited about this jersey uh, because I bought this when I was a freshman at Florida State in Tallahassee, which was 15 years ago, and yo still fits, all right? Like, still fit. A little tight right here, but it's okay. I got two kids, planted a church in COVID, like all that stuff, right? So I got, you know, a little weight's okay, all right? But but the thing is, I love wearing this because this is the team I identify with. Like, yeah, this is my team, right? Like, we're going to, you know, maybe you're a big Chiefs fan or 49ers fan, you're going to cheer for them tonight, right? Like, it's the arena. We go to an arena. We know we're celebrating the home team, right? We're going to wear jerseys that show that. See, the thing is, it's a very public demonstration of our life. It's what we want other people to know about us. It's our public life. Now, that's okay, but a lot of times we can use this as a defense to keep people away from our private life. See, when we're in the arena, it's impossible. say I sit on one side and you're on the other side, it's impossible for me to have a relationship with you. But we can still see each other, yo, Florida State jersey, let's go, man, woo! But we can't really know anything about each other. Because what Jesus knew when he was kind of, again, walking through these aspects of our life is that what's going on on the outside is nowhere near as important as what's happening on the inside. Because what's on the inside affects the outside. And we can't really fake our public life away from the health of our private life, if that makes sense. And so what we lean into is what Jesus says in Matthew 23 about the religious leaders of the day. He says this, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they, weigh extra wide, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. Now, picture this. Thank God, I don't have to dress like this anymore. All right, but these priests and religious leaders wore giant boxes on their head called phylacteries, and the bigger the one, the bigger the box. Apparently, the bigger that guy knew scripture. And then they wore robes with extra long tassels to prove how much authority they had in their prayer life, but it was all for show. Because they were completely void of a private, personal prayer life. Jesus actually, now, Jesus is awesome. I love him so much. And I love him so much because not only does he say the encouraging things, like, hey, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, you know, you're my friends, I've laid my life down for you. He also speaks some between the eyes truth as well. And we can't have one without the other. So one of the things that Jesus says about the religious leaders is he says, you are whitewashed tombs. What does that mean? It means you're a tomb that's all clean, but in the inside you're dead. So why is the arena dangerous? It's because we can look great in the arena, but on the inside we can be dead. To others, because of our performance for our show, we seem that we're okay, but on the inside we're wasting away. I mean, another name for the arena is our social media presences, or our success that we're trying to drive for or our stages of life, right, that we're in, that we're like, oh, we finally got there. It's what it's all about. But for us, we have to realize that the arena is not a place that will ever bring health. It'll be a part of our life, but it's not where we're going to find health. And it's for sure not going to be where we find significance. See, for me, I understand this because when I was in middle school, I was a young kid who dealt really difficult with difficult insecurity issues, like really bad. And it didn't really come from anywhere else except it was just the way the enemy attacked me. And so everything that I said and did was all to vie for acceptance of those around me. And I was accepted. I was the class clown kid. Hey, do this, and I would do it. But on the inside, even though people would laugh or, you know, I had a bunch of friends, on the inside, I was so empty. I was so hurt. I was so broken. The arena looked great, but inside I was messed up. And so for us, we've got to begin to realize that, hey, it's not for show it's about the health of my life. i gotta get, I got to get a little deeper than the arena. All right. So the second aspect is where we get to get a little bit more intense, and that's the mask. It's I know, but you don't know. I know, but you don't know. This is the thing of like, I know that inside I am angry, I am hurt, I am broken, I'm about to throw in the towel and give up. I am more anxious, depressed, or stressed out than anyone would ever know. But you don't know because I put on this mask. We humans nowadays have become really good about putting on a mask through our Instagrams, through our, again, trying to achieve things, and letting that be what we put in front of people. The masks that we wear are the things that can be so fake in our life that we kind of begin to forget who we are. And the thing is that if that's the only place that we exist, we will never be able to find healing. Because here's the thing I want you to write down. I will always stay as sick as my secrets. I will always stay as sick as my secrets. We all have them. Now, I'm not saying you got to get up on the stage after church today and say, okay, um, my secret is this. Like, no, we're not doing that. But I will tell you this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not tell somebody. That's what circles are for. That you can sit across the table from someone and say, hey, here's what's going on in my life. I don't want you to be sick, but I can't force you to open up. I can't force you to confess. I can't force you to be transparent about things that are happening in your life. But when you get in that circle and you sit around the table, you will be encouraged because you'll be like, whoa, they're dealing with that? Whoa, Wow, that's way worse. No, no, I'm just kidding. But it might happen. Who knows? And that would encourage you, right? Let's get, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says this, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, hey, you're not the only one. Just let them know. Hey, you're not the only one. I got it too. We got secrets. And I don't want you to be sick. I want you to be healed and set free. So, I mean, the thing is, when, it, when we when we put on that mask, it's not like it's a secret of what we're covering. We know what we're covering. So what are you covering with your mask? That's what you need to confess and share with someone about. Whether it's a, an addiction, whether it's a sin, whether it's a... A feeling of anxiety or depression or stress is just taking you over. Maybe it's even like a thing with your, con- your relationship with God that you're trying to figure out. Take the mask off. Take the mask off. Let people see the real you. Because God cannot heal the fake you. And if you are unwilling to get personal and transparent with God, he can never actually heal you. And that's the important thing to understand about God is that he knows already and God's like, hey, I know already. Why don't you just tell me? He's like, hey, you can't fool me. I know already. and I really, really want to help you. I really want to care for you. I would encourage you, when you get in the circles, when you join a small group, it's about realizing that we are all messed up. We've all worn our masks, but we're just trying to get together to encourage each other and lift one another up. To have a bright spot of our week When we can say, no, if I can just get to group this week, I know I'm going to find encouragement. We have to give people a chance again. Because guess what? God gives us, personally, more chances than we definitely deserve. And so that if, you're, if your approach to this is, well, it's just easier for me to keep the mask on. That's fine. I mean, actually, it's not fine, but that's okay. But you're not living kingdom-minded then. You're not living heavenly-minded then. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to wear a mask and have things that no one knows about. Because I'm my own worst enemy a lot of times. So we're in the arena. We're wearing masks, but the next thing is we've got to begin to have give people access to our life through what I would call blind spots. That's the third portion of the window. Where I don't know, but you know. This would be the friends that I have in my life, that when I have something in my teeth or hanging from my nose, they go, hey, Ryan, I'm like, what? Like, you got you got something? Oh, thank you, thank you so much for telling me, because I don't want to walk through the rest of my day with something hanging from my nose or something in my teeth, and people being like, "Yo, what's wrong with that dude? It's a blind spot. I can't see my face. Why do you have blinds? Why do you have rearview mirrors? So you can see your blind spot. The first thing they tell you in driver's ed: check your blind spots, because why? That's where damages and accidents happen. You need people in your life that say, hey, this is a blind spot in you. This is a blind spot in you that I kind of want to help you with. Can I just tell you that you need to have people like that in your life. And some of us have given offense more power over our lives than being open. We've given offense more command over where our life is going than simply being open with someone and trusting them. Now, now don't call me out in the front of a crowd and say, hey, Ryan, you got a thing in your nose. Don't do that. Come, hey, hey, buddy, got something. Like, do it that way. But I still need you to do it. And you still need people to do that for you. That's what your circle and small group can be. Jesus did this with the disciples all the time. Tell Peter, hey, that's not kind of what you should be doing, man. And you don't know this is going to hurt you. See, what's so important about this is realizing that people are trying to help us not make the same mistakes that they did. Why is a blind spot so important to realize is because when you sit down in the circle or we begin to have someone walk along this journey of life with you, yes, they'll all, they could say, what, I've, I've, I'm dealing with that too. But another thing they could say is, I've been there and I want to help you get out of that. Because listen, sometimes we can't see where our life is headed, but someone else can. That's why I'm a firm believer in, hey, if you're a young married couple, find an older married couple here in the church. If you're a young man, find an older man. If you're a young woman, find an older woman that you can sit and say, hey, what do you see in me? What do I need to change? Because I don't want to lead, I don't want my life to lead to destruction. And they can call out some blind spots in you. And don't give power to offense, give power to being open, because that is what God honors. And we also need to be a friend who earns the right to do that as well. Because here's the thing, this is a very popular thing in church in culture right now, but it's just not biblical. If I can, pastor, you for a moment. I hear Christians say this all the time. Well, it's not really my job to tell them how to live, it's not really my job to tell them how to live their life. I don't, if you can find that for me in scripture, find it, but it's just not true. Because here's what I'll tell you if that same friend put a blindfold on and walked out into oncoming traffic on the interstate. You'd probably scream, "Hey, get out of the road! You're gonna get destroyed." And if you didn't say anything, then we're just a horrible, we're horrible people. And listen, the church is not made up of horrible people; it's made up of honest people who want to help and heal those around them. So if you have if you have friend or friends or people in this room, you got to be willing to have them call out your blind spots. And also, as the influence of Christ in someone's life, you have to be willing to trust God and love people, but also say, "Hey." That's not the way God created you. That's not the best God has for you. Listen, do it in love and do it in grace, but also do it in truth. And listen, one of the most important things I do in my life is a few times a year, I sit across a coffee table from my pastor and I say, hey, what do you see that I don't see? And I have given him permission to speak into my life and I have told myself that I am not gonna argue, I am not gonna defend, I'm not gonna make excuses. What he says, I'm doing. And we all need a relationship like that. So when you step into a circle with a leader that we've vetted and trusted, and you say, hey, what should I do? And they give you guidance, trust them. It's something that we've lost in the church. That, hey, we're called to point out each other's blind spots so that we don't hurt ourselves or hurt others. And what I love about the circle leaders and what I love about the commitment of pretty much everybody here at Local City, if you call Local City home, this is what you're committing to. Write this down today. It's that I may not be able to fix your problems, but I promise to not let you deal with them alone. I may not be able to fix what's going on in your life or fix your marriage overnight, but I promise I will not let you feel alone or isolated in that. I will encourage you. I will text you. I will send you Bible verses. I will send you voice memo prayers to lift you up because I want you to know that you are not alone. God is with you, but also your church is as well, standing alongside you. Come on, if you're thankful for those people who have not let you live you who have not let you live your life alone, why don't we give some thankfulness to the community of God for a moment? Proverbs 27 6 says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So often we think our enemy, the devil, Satan, is going to attack us with things that hurt. What if he attacks you with things that feel good? They're just not the great things God has for you. And he's your enemy. See, we have to realize that sometimes God is going to point out, or Jesus is going to point out, or the people in our life are going to point out some wounds that, that hurt but they can be trusted. It doesn't say wounds from any old soul, not wounds from the people in your comment section, or not wounds from someone at your job that you don't even know, or your boss. Wounds from a friend. Here's a great word for you. The people that you give permission can speak into your blind spots. The Thing is, you gotta give people permission. You gotta tell them. And then when you join a circle, you're giving people permission because you're also doing the same. See, we gotta realize the arena's not enough. We gotta take off the mask we got to allow our blind spots to be pointed out. And the last thing is, the reason this works so well together is because when God shows up and God moves in friendships and God moves in lives that are lived in community together, then we get the last part of the window, which is our potential. That I don't know and you don't know, but I know that there is a God who can do more than I could possibly ask or think or imagine, and we're going to run after him together. It's those guys in the story with Paul that when he felt like quitting in jail, when he felt like stopping and not planting another church or not writing the that other letter. They said, Paul, we got to keep going because the potential of what God can do is great. You need the people in your circles and small groups that say the potential of what God can do is miraculous. The potential of what God can do is incredible. And we cannot give up now. We got to keep running forward. We got to keep being the church. We got to keep living in community and knowing that what God can do is way better than what I can do on my own or alone. Come on, if you're thankful that God has a great future for us together... Let's give him some thanks. I don't know and you don't know. It's the reason, I say this all the time, it's the reason that our windshield is bigger than our rearview mirror in our car. It's that listen, I gotta learn from where I've been. But the last part of the window is not my past, it's my potential. See, what Jesus was always doing is he was changing people's names and saying, from today on, here's who you are. From today on, here's the freedom that you have. From today on, here's the healing that you have. Listen, I want to encourage you. If you're dealing with something, you got to let somebody know. And you got to get prayed for. Here's what it says in James 5. I love this. Now, James, brother of Jesus, you thought you had problems believing in Jesus. James was his own brother and didn't believe in him. It took Jesus physically raising from the dead. For James to be, maybe this guy's the real deal. And then he gave his life to Jesus and started building the church and wrote this book in the end of the Bible called James. Not the most creative guy, but it's a good letter. Here's what he writes. He writes, make this your, I want you to circle this, make this your common practice. Not once a week, not at the beginning of the year, or not when life is hard. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed that's what we want for you a whole life, a healed life and the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with, you know what I would love for our church listen, we have some people who are living right with God that you can trust with whatever's going on and it happens every Sunday and it's our prayer team that's here at the tables after service, my hope is that we wouldn't just rush out but we would rush to pray we would rush to the altar and, not leave, and be dedicated to not leave the same way. Being devoted to confessing what's going on in our life, to confessing those things so that we can realize, I don't want to be sick as my secrets. I want to be healed and whole. And you've got to be willing to do that. So at the end of service, of course, come get prayer from our team that's up here. And get in a circle because every circle ends with prayer. What do you need prayer for? I need this. I need that. And you can't do this. I grew up in a Baptist private school. And our teacher all the time at the end of the day would say, all right, prayer requests, anyone? And people would say, uh, I have a unspoken prayer request. And I'm like, That's, that, okay, God's not going to answer that, all right? Because you got to actually put some skin to the to the game here. you got to actually speak out what the enemy is trying to keep a secret in your life. There's no such thing as an unspoken prayer request, all right? <laughs> You gotta speak life, you gotta speak healing, you gotta speak freedom to them. And sometimes, if you can't speak, you go to someone who can, and they lift you up. Here's the power of circles. Here's the power of those free decisions that when we go to God's people for healing, here's the definition of love that comes down from God. So, one of our circles is called Couples Date Night. Awesome name. If you're a couple, go check it out. You can hear them. They're so, woo, they're excited. You can hear them. But what I love about this circle is it has one of the most powerful testimonies that we've seen in our church. There was was a husband and wife in this circle that when they started going, not many people are really no one knew that they were on the path to separation and divorce. But they made the decision, you know what, this is one last chance for healing and we're going to take it. And they got back in this couple's date night circle and they started going and they kept going and they stay committed to it and God miraculously healed and brought them back together. But what's powerful about this testimony, and this is why I love circles, they even said when they were sharing this testimony with our home team, it wasn't about getting into some eight week long biblical foundations of a healthy marriage. That's good stuff, but that wasn't what did it. It wasn't about starting some study. It wasn't about learning or knowing more. It was about getting around a group of people where they could laugh and have fun again where they could date each other again and learn to have fun as husband and wife. You see, what you, what you need is actually a lot simpler than you can even imagine. You just need to be around people who you can laugh with. You need to be, be, be around people who can encourage you and heal you and push you back into the arms of Jesus so that you can be healed and restored and find the freedom that only God can give to find the freedom that Jesus so desperately wants to give you so you can be set truly free and free indeed. Come on, if that helps today, why don't you stand to your feet? Why don't you give Jesus some praise today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.